For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome to episode 166 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. What is up, Toon Army fam? You can follow me at, on Twitter at NUFC underscore Greg. But more importantly, follow the, the source for all your news, the loveliness of at Coming Home NUFC and our podcast at CHN underscore podcast. We have another member of the underscore gang that I'd like to introduce to you today before we get into all the juicy podcast goodness we're about to give you. And that is at Elijah underscore Newsom, the best damn po- oh, I was like po, po host, the best damn co-host <laughs> in the land. My man Elijah Newsom, how are you doing? That's accurate. I am the best damn po host. I'm, yeah. I'm not employed. Oh, so. folks. Oh, folks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm chilling. Um, uh, it's a happy belated birthday to Greg, who celebrated his uh, 25th birthday, I believe that was yeah. on Sunday. Uh, so. Um, yeah, Newcastle got him a heaping pile of disappointment, which is mm-hmm. what they get yeah. him every year. At least they're consistent. Um, but yeah, has, I don't think Newcastle's ever won on your birthday. Probably not. I'm, we're not going to fact check it. We're just going to rule yeah. that. They haven't won on his birthday. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, excited to be here. Excited to talk a little footy. Oh. Um, yeah. That, that's that's all I got for you today. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my intro. Yeah. Um, well, le- what to expect in this one? We'll start with Man- the Man United match, give you a recap on that. We'll go over some, take a break, and then go into some news items. Not very ton of things to talk about as far as news goes, but then we'll transition right from there, take another break, and go to Wolves and preview that match for you. So, uh, Elijah, let's let's start. Let's get into it. And obviously, the first thing that we do anytime we talk about a match is three words. Um, so Newcastle United takes an L, uh, surprise to everyone that we lost this one. <laughs> um, uh, Newcastle lost three to one to Man United. And we asked you after the match to comment on how unfun that was. And you all delivered, uh, Don at Smick Ultra says urgency needed now. Concrete sports talk says when's Wilson back. Uh, Trevor Mooney says Brucey hates Greg. Uh, James Whitmore says very nearly relegated. Uh, Eric Schmidt says Greg needs whiskey. And Alex Passine said ran out of gas. Uh, So very, very true and very lovely. Um, I also should, should we read out the three words for, for the birthday too? Oh, sure. We got Smith Alter said he's from Delaware. Um, Elijah with a salty Philly fan reference. 
Uh, Trevor Mooney must have been talking about you, uh, but he said God of Pod. Mm. Uh, and Alan Cuthbertson says get a shave. Um, and Alan seems to be have a picture of a child holding a beer can. So oh, okay. Um, Mile High Jordy says mini bus karaoke singer. You got you got to be there to know. You got to be there to know. Mm-hmm. Had uh, to be there. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah. So so very good points about the match going into just what it was and what we thought about it. So let's, let's talk about lineups first. I always like going there with you, um, but I'll read the lineups. I'd love to hear your hot takes, Elijah. Let's start with Newcastle. Well, only, we'll only talk about Newcastle's lineup, but it's Darlow, Kraft, Lewis, Lascelles, Clark, Hayden, Shelby, Willick, Almiron, St. Maxman, and Jolinton. Uh, on the bench, we had Dubravka, Dummett, Hendrick, Sean Longstaff, Richie, Carol, Fraser, Murphy, and Gale. Elijah, Elijah, talk to me. What's your thoughts? I mean, I've said it for the last four or five uh, recaps. Yep. Um, but it, Martin Dubrovka just not not starting. And um, not going to lie, the first goal was a keeper error that, like, I don't know. Like, it's tough. But mm-hmm. – I'm not going to say Dubrovka saved that because it was an insane strike, but the positioning was not, was not the best there. And also, I mean, Emil Kraft got dusted, but that's a different story. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, the, the lineup was as expected. I don't think anyone was expecting any sort of drastic changes, regardless of the Chelsea results. I mean, you could argue this is our best possible 11. Joel Linton came into the fold was clearly better than Gale. Um, the week before, uh, I mean, I would say he was fine in the Manchester United match. Uh, he, he had a couple of uh, opportunities to maybe pick up an assist or so, but nothing, nothing crazy. Uh, it's, it's again, it's going to be a, a Miguel Armron and Alan St. Maxman sort of step in to fill the, fill the gap that Callum Wilson leaves because we're not expecting Gail Joel Linton, and we're not even Carroll to play, but we're not expecting those two to fill any sort of gap that Kyle Molson leaves behind. You're really just hoping that everyone else kind of steps up. So, yeah, yeah nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's again like going on Darlow. I think, you know, I think this podcast has been one of the like everyone kind of expected Dubrovka would have some sort of lane first. I'm not going to say that we were the first people, but we're, we're the probably the the first podcast actually like, okay, time for Dubrovka. Like Darlow hasn't been doing terrible as, as Elijah alluded to, but we've seen Dubrovka do better multiple times. So I'm pretty sure after Dubrovka made his FA, FA cup, maybe it was an FA cup appearance, his first yeah. appearance of the season. I'm pretty sure the next, the literally that review pod, we were like, dude, Dubrovka should be starting because I was, I remember distinctly saying like, you, you kind of, you kind of miss the distribution from Dubrovka uh, versus Darlow, who like just his distribution is probably what's the difference between him and an England spot. Like he's obviously got insane natural reflexes, but the man cannot punt the ball to save his life. And we'd said that this was probably late December, early January. We've been mm-hmm. saying that Dubrovka should be starting. So I'd say we were the first. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, we're it. the first. <laughs> All right, so so let's let's dive into this match then. Um, like, 
so so the the first takeaway is it it was like it was a good it was a better start than Chelsea, right? Than the Chelsea match at least. But it when essentially when Marcus Rashford, Marcus Rashford, that's that's it for Newcastle United. From that point on, there was really nothing that that like there's nothing we could do from that that point. Essentially, uh, he just. Yeah. He just took over. So, like, I don't know. What's your thoughts about the way we started this match, the way we, like, tried to threaten? And, and like, I, I guess this is kind of a same old, same old for Newcastle at this point, but – and not as surprising. Well, somewhat surprising because you predicted a point, at least a point from Newcastle here. So, like, what, what are your th- thoughts about how we, like, came out? I would say for, like, 55-ish minutes, it looked like we could get a point. Um, yeah, I think like the, the first goal was, again, theme of the season. When you talk about individual errors, the first goal was straight up for Manchester United, an individual error, like Emil Kraft. And then you can go the route of Darlow just not being able to cover his near post, that being an individual error as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Newcastle were threatening. Like they should have, they should have at least scored once in the first half. Uh, there was plenty of opportunities, a, a decent amount of, uh, I would say plenty of opportunities to either set up the final ball. And then later on, there were some shots on target and, 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 and such. Um, so yeah, they came out starting strong. Um, but the, I think the, the tough thing about Newcastle is um, if they start out strong and then have to chase the game, they run out of steam completely, mm-hmm. which is exactly what happened. Uh, they started out strong, found themselves down a goal, had a chase, got back into it, and then still were like kind of chasing a result, chasing a result. And like, I mean, once the second goal happens, they kind of really sort of collapse. Like, I mean, Steve Bruce didn't really know what to do. Um, and I think that's the thing that I wouldn't say for me, my expectations for Steve Bruce were low um, in terms of like, I was like, all you really need to do to survive is set the team up correctly. That was, that was been my expectation for Steve Bruce since the beginning. And so I think this is, that's the frustrating thing is that when he's actually done a decent job setting up the team, but his lack of ability to adjust. And then furthermore, his substitutions are just so questionable all the time. That's what's frustrating is that like, you feel like in the back of your head that Newcastle maybe could have gotten something from this if the substitutions were different. Uh, yeah, he, and it's he, he like, that's not saying. the only thing, but it's just like, oh, uh, that, that is really like, it grinds your gears to quote uh, yeah. Peter Griffin. Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, Newcastle got a couple, like could have been chances in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then, like I mentioned the Marcus Rashford thing and, and it was Harry Maguire that got a pass out to him the first goal and it was on the left and he absolutely megged Emil Kraft, like ended the man's soul. And uh, he like got around him and then pinged a shot between Darlow and the near post. Again, like you mentioned, like another near post goal, but like that was brutal for Kraft for his soul uh, and his entire purpose. And like, that's when for me, I was like, okay, well, reality's back. Like this is, this is just what we're doing now. Um, But well, the one thing I really liked about this is, is the team look completely unfazed by going down one, nothing, which has not happened. Yeah. No, they, it, it felt like they were going to score. Like it did feel, that's why I said when it felt the first 60 minutes, 
And it was going to be like, oh, this could be a draw. Like, they went down a goal, and it was like, ah, uh, they scored. And it kind of was a, a collective, like, Emil, don't fuck up again. Yeah. Can I say fuck? I, I think I haven't said it in a while on the pod. So I, I think I got, you know, fuck. tits, tits, fuck shit. <laughs> tits, shit. <laughs> um, but, um, all right. Uh, so we'll mark this but, one explicit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, like it was just like you felt, okay, like they could, they could probably get another goal back. Maybe not in the first half, maybe not in the set, like maybe late goal, but they can kind of hold on because it wasn't like Manchester United were looking like super threatening. It was very yeah. back and forth. It was like, like, I don't know. Like Rashford literally was probably like, I mean, unsurprisingly, like their their best player and arguably like the the reason they won. Uh, No one else was like great for them. Their their back line was pretty meh. If anything, like Manchester United fans were worried about their center back pairing. So uh, the points were there for the taking, and that that's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um like. Well, so so let's let's get into more of the the return, well, the fight back from them, uh, and they threatened Manchester United. I think, especially through set pieces, which is another odd thing that I, I like really liked about our um, our response. And then, yeah, it was what six minutes, I think. Yeah, Some yeah, six minutes. It was it was a short corner, Miguel Amaran short corner, and I hate short corners, but credit where credits due. Um, and it was played to John Joe and he swept across over Juan Basaka, uh, headed away and Alan St. Maximin collected it. And then he headed back towards goal, face goal. And he tested uh, De Gea with a, with a shot from pretty much the edge of the box uh, that was fisted over for another corner. So like, that's the first pressure. I was like, wow, that was a really good opportunity for us. And then this time the roles were a little bit reversed. So we had Shelby laid it off for Almiron. And then he played a short pass to Joe Willick on, on the right-hand side of the box and then looped it over, uh, headed out by Harry Maguire, and then Alice Samax in again sitting there. And he drove the first time shot in, into the ground about like 10-ish yards out. And it roofed it into the net. Uh, it was a really great goal, but that's the first semblance. I was like, okay, they've been working on something like this short corner routine swung over expecting to head out to a waiting like striker goal scorer. Um, and we saw it two straight times. Manchester United didn't pick it up. I I'd say a great goal by Newcastle United and like give credit where credit's due. I don't know who set that up, whether it's Bruce or we can have all the conspiracy theories that maybe are recently acquired coach uh may have drawn up that play but it doesn't matter like we got a really good goal and we drew tied this game 30 uh, six minutes after going down so i think a really good response from us what do you, what's your thoughts on that that yeah. segment yeah, yeah i mean we newcastle got four shots from set pieces which yeah. uh, that hasn't happened in, in in ages uh the last couple matches set pieces have have gotten there. I think this was the first match where I was like, oh, okay. It felt little like Rafa Benitez where you felt Newcastle's in, in a lot of matches with Rafa that their their best opportunity to score was going to be from a set piece. And it I wouldn't say it felt like that during this match, but it felt like every set piece there was there was an ample op, like there was going to be an opportunity to score and that we have not felt that at all during the Bruce. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and, yeah, so there you go. Yeah, so so I think um, like the so second half started and we the first thing to note is like it was like definitely a feeling it out second like start to the second half, but then we lost Joel and Tin. And after that, like spiral. 
absolute spiral dive. Um, Matchix took possession of the ball on the left-hand corner um, of, of our, of our penalty area. And he pushed the ball to uh, I can't remember who, and they had an infield and it was just a click of the ball brushed off by Bruno Fernandez. And that was enough to take it past Jamal Lewis and ending up at the feet of completely wide open and unmarked Daniel James. Um, he took a, a touch and fired it near post with Darlow again, uh, two to one. Um, and then I'll, I'll just go to the next goal because after this, there was no indication this time of an equalizer. Um, 75th minute in Marcus Radford, uh, like he like flopped a lot from a Willick challenge. But um, Darlow was the ball was free and he was unable. Uh, the, he got he got what he wanted and Darlow did not stop Fernandez and three to one. So let's talk about the second half. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, completely, was, uh, like completely different from the first half. To me. Yeah, I, I think it was fine in the beginning, but once Joel Linton went off and then you replaced them with. Uh, Ryan Fraser, I feel like that's when you lose, you lose the, like everything about this particular setup is centered around the fact that like you should be able to play long balls like when needed to a a legitimate outlet on that right-hand side. And that person will be able to hold up play so that maybe Miguel Amaron or lay it off to a fullback or, uh, play into the box towards Alan St. Maxman or find Joel Willick on the secondary. Like that is the the basis of this formation is that like, that is an option for you to have when you cannot build up play, like with just ball on the ground, direct passing, that kind of stuff. And so when you take away that element of the formation, like the entire strat, like the entire game plan is affected negatively because you've yeah. eliminated a threat. And so you replace Joel Linton with Ryan Fraser, who's just not going to be that outlet, and you have all your front three, your the people you can play the, the ball up farthest to the pitch are all five nine and below. Then it's like that that the, like no one has to worry about that at all. Like I mean, it's so that is like questionable Steve Bruce substitution. If anything, you're better off. Gosh, and I hate saying this, but you are you in that situation. You might have been better off subbing on Andy Carroll if like if you yeah. want. Just for the the threat uh, of of doing that, and Andy Carroll, I, I I don't, I mean, whatever. But like that's a whole other discussion you could have. But yeah, I mean that that right there for me was when I saw that we subbed on Ryan Fraser for Joel Linton. I literally was like, there's no chance we win this game because like that's a dumb substitution. Like there's no way around it. It's not <laughs> a smart substitution. And I mean, I guess we could go into detail about like horror tackles and whether or not it was a pin or whether it wasn't. But I mean, I feel like when you make the adjustments that Newcastle made, um, you kind of deserve the result that the Newcastle got. Um, that game was a, was a game where you could at least pick up a point. And it's unfortunate when you lose Joel Linton, who actually had a, a decent outing, uh, had a couple key passes, like almost had an assist, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I don't know. I mean, obviously it's tough to replace Kyle Wilson, but I don't know if anyone's saying it's tough to replace Joel Linton. And so to take off a striker for someone who's not a striker and then effectively go with the formation that just, I, 
it nothing makes sense. I, it, none of that made any sense. I don't even know how to keep defending it. There was other substitutions they could have made. Like you could have switched to a four-two-three-one and maybe subbed off Shelby or Willick. Willick was okay. He wasn't great. Sub one of them off and put Fraser on, and then have Gale as a lone striker up top. Like there's things you could do uh, in response to that, and just they didn't like Steve Bruce didn't never thought to do that, and that is annoying. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just wanted to end uh, this before we go to quotes and everything. Uh, we have um, uh, from NUFC.com. They absolutely crushed it again with this excerpt. They said, we now move on to the supposedly winnable games against Wolves, West Brown, Villa, and Brighton. Although we failed to collect maximum points from any of the corresponding trio last season, in the real world, not populated by the media, there's little confidence that we'll survive through our own efforts and that the path to temporary salvation lies only in the shortcomings of other sides. We have the opposite of a spine with doubts over the effectiveness of each department, be it the fading Darlow, the problematic right back slot, the ailing but seemingly undroppable Shelby, or a hint of any tangible replacement for the goals and assists of Callan Wilson. The logic defying pronouncements of the manager hardly breed confidence either, more and more reminiscent of Steve McLaren by the game. Suspicious remain that Bruce's roadmap to recovery is upside down. If six or seven teams really are looking back over their shoulders, as he claims, they're seeing points there for the taking. That old pantomime line, it's behind you, with it being 18th behind Fulham. Uh, it feels rather more accurate. Aware of their plight as a club and active in the January market, the Cottagers are also fighting to turn things around on the field, grinding out points and reeling us in. Contrast that with the tedious farce that is this football club, the perpetual absence of leadership or appreciation of the woeful situation we're in, characterized by the smug fraud the smug fraud content to be the public face of it. Nowhere else would this be tolerated. And again, they killed it. Absolutely brilliant description. Uh, Quotes. See, Bruce said, Fulham have had a good week and won a couple of games, which at the bottom end of the table is big. My message to the supporters is that I'm convinced we'll be okay. Of course, fans don't want to see their team at the wrong end of the table. I understand that totally. We have a unique fan base, which makes us the club we have got. And of course, they're anxious. It's been a difficult week, but we have big games coming up where we think we can take points. We are a threat now. We are trying to be higher up the pitch. It will take some getting used to because we have played a certain way for a while. Uh, That's really all I want to say. What it take. Yeah. Uh, Stats. Uh, Say Maximin. Second goal of the season, sixth in all comps for Newcastle. Um, it was our 11th away goal from St. James Park in 13 Premier League games. Um, and it's only the second one in the first 45 minutes. Uh, Jeff Hendrick against Leeds was the only other one. Uh, going to expected goals, uh, we had – oh, that's the wrong one. Uh, we had 0.34 expected goals to Manchester United is 1.73. So they're expecting like a two to one win for Man United. Elijah, any guess on who led in expected goals? Uh, man, I mean, I don't see Maxman's shot was from like six yards out. So I'd imagine it was him. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You're right. All right. Well, there you go. I was uh, expected assists. 
I mean, I'm not even going to have you guess. Nobody had over 0.1. So okay. uh, it was Jolinton and Almiron had 0.08 together. Well, uh, yeah, that's, that's better than nothing. <laughs> it is. Uh, Manchester United had 79% of the chances. Uh, they had 15 shots to our 10, seven on target to our six. Uh, they had 10 passes completed within 20 yards of goal to R1. A PPDA, Manchester United, 6.39, really good. Ours, really bad, 22.35. Uh, we were expected with 0.29 points. They had 2.54. Um, going to 538 and where they think we'll finish the season, uh, we the gap has stayed at two points. Uh, we're, or they're projecting us to finish with 38 points, Fulham at 36 points, and West Brom and Sheffield below them. Um, they are saying that we'll finish four points behind Burnley for 16th place. Not very good, Elijah. Not very good at all. But the good news is we can technically still win the Premier League. We're not out of it yet. Oh, that's good. Um, we can qualify for Champions League, but we have a 35% chance to get relegated and a less than 1% chance of finishing in the top 10. Global soccer rankings, uh, I can't imagine we're doing too well here, but Newcastle sitting in 91st. We're staying where we are, uh, just behind Strasbourg and Torino of France and Italy. Um, but ahead of Marseille still. In Crystal Palace. Um, who's your best player? Or where are your player? I mean, I mean, Alan St. Maxman probably. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think Miggy had a good first half as well. Um, I don't think anyone had a particularly good second half. Uh, probably worst player. Um, I mean, Jamal Lewis got skinned on the second goal. Emil Kraft. Emil Kraft. But I think I think the people are kind of – how do I put this? It's it's actually quite interesting seeing the same people because I think you and I are in the same boat of, like, I feel like DeAndre Yedlin and Emil Kraft are – I wouldn't say they're interchangeable, but, like, I feel like in when when Yedlin was sold, it felt a little bit odd because he had been playing well. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's probably He's not a hot take. That. Yeah, and he – yeah, still playing well. Uh, um, and so it just felt like an odd move by the club to kind of let him go, um, considering that he was playing well. Um, but this nothing this club does make sense. Yeah. But, like, people – it's very – same people who were like, you know, he was fine, but, like, you know, he wasn't good enough are now crying that he's gone. And they're like, uh, blah, 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 Emil Kraft. And I'm like, I mean – you can't have your cake and eat it too. I don't know what you want me to say there. Like we knew Emil Kraft was like a depth player. And so like, I think the issue was no one was expecting Emil Kraft to play. And maybe you kind of readdress that position in the summer uh, and, and just kind of go younger there as a backup to Mankio. But I mean, now that he has to play, it's like, we're seeing Emil Kraft and he has to go up against, you know, Marcus Rashford. And like, uh, like, I don't know that that's expected. That's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that that's not going to change. I don't think putting Jacob Murphy at right back, excuse me, is the solution either because he's not a good defender. Um, so, I think you kind of just stuck there with him, and you just got to hope that the the back line is just going to be fine. Uh, Jamal Lewis, for what he offers in attack, I mean, he's, he's looked better in attack, so it's kind of tough to drop him. But you're in a situation where maybe 
give him a little bit of a break, tell him to kind of recenter, and maybe you could put Dummett there. Um, because Dummett in his only appearance in like two seasons has been was was unreal. So maybe that's an opportunity. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'd say probably Lewis or Kraft are probably the worst players. Um, and you know what? Darlow. I just that was not a good game. I think that was that was the game where it's like I've been saying you can't like there's not a lot to justify Darlow starting over Dubrovka, but and this was like a literal like, all right, like getting beat near post twice is not great. Like you can forgive the penalty, but getting beat near post twice is like, if I could drop you, I will. That And that's kind of how Everton have approached Jordan Pickford where it's like, if he makes a mistake, they, they drop him. And so Newcastle's in that position. So they should. And yeah. you know, if it works out, works out. Yeah. Uh, Darlow completed 29.6% of his passes. Um against Man United, which is not good, in case you were curious. Okay, so uh, who scored only gave one person a rating of seven or higher, and that was Alan St. Maximin. Um, the rest got sixes or belows. There was there were um, four players that got below a six, and that was Emil Kraft, Isaac Hayden, Jamal Lewis, and Jamal Lascelles. Uh, so not very good at all there. Um, and all of them started, which is even worse news. <laughs> so uh, we're going to take a break. And then we're going to talk about some news, some other things going around Newcastle United. So we will be back right after this. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a thing with the latest Newcastle news, gossip and social stories as they break. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. What up, Elijah? You ready to do this? Yeah, let's uh, let's hop into it. First, quick news update: um, we got a rescheduled match. Uh, Aston Villa will be coming to Newcastle on March twelfth. Oh, that's my sister's birthday. Oh, uh, she's Greg Stan account. So yeah, so shout out to my sister. Yeah, shout out. Um, okay, so. First thing I want to cover, well, I guess now the second thing, is fans back, Elijah, maybe? We'll see. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to say no. At all? I don't. I, I mean, so I guess if we want to give some background, uh, Boris, the – Old Boris. Old Bory, he, uh, he's announced that he's got this plan to basically – um, do a lot of reopenings in the UK, and one of which would include fans returning to sports uh, after May 15th, um, and they'd be at kind of one-fourth capacity of the stadium. So for a lot of different uh, stadiums in the Premier League, you know, that's a roughly 10,000 fans, which is kind of the number you're going if you're looking at averages. Um, Newcastle would have a game after that. It wouldn't be a home game for them. It would be the last game of the season against Fulham at Craven Cottage, which – um, would only actually allow I, I, what is this, Greg? Probably around five thousand fans. Um, still unsure as to whether or not away fans would be a part of that. But essentially, like the Premier League's going to put it up to vote as to whether or not they even kind of allow this because again, it's one game, and some people are saying that it would be an unfair advantage. Uh, which, like, that's a terrible argument when it was like fifteen hundred fans. But when you're talking about like ten thousand fans, like that's actually 
a decent bit of, of a difference. So I could understand that. And I, I, my gut is telling me that uh, most Premier League clubs are going to vote against it and there won't be fans in the Premier League this season, but there will be fans at the FA Cup final. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think. Maybe. Yeah. I don't um, know about that. Uh, yeah. So we could have, there's a chance Newcastle could have a home game. Very unlikely because that means Sheffield United would have to play for the FA Cup final. Uh, but uh, yeah, probably not. But it, it's also a good sign. I, I mean, England's doing very well with um, the vaccinations and their numbers are dropping drastically. So congrats. So the next thing we'll talk about is the U23s. They won. The U18s lost to Stoke. U23s beat West Brom. Um, and we had some some big goals, one of them being to Tom Allen. It was his first game back with the U23s. Uh, he scored, it took him 21 minutes to score. Um, he was, if you remember him, he was on loan to Accrington Stanley, uh, but was injured. And he announced on Twitter that he's been injured for five months and it was nice to get his first goal back. So congrats to him. Stan Flaherty got his sixth goal, has 11, has 13 total appearances, 11 starts and has six goals. So Stan Flaherty's on the watch list and Elliot Anderson. Um, he missed a penalty um in the second half but scored only a mere 13 minutes after uh tom allen's goal so he has uh, he has 12 goals um wow. so far <laughs> so he's killing it uh oh no sorry i read that so wrong it's his fourth goal why did i say 12 it's his fourth goal he's had 12 minutes on the field this year in 2021 i completely flipped that around um he has two goals in the EFL trophy, but uh, four goals in the league, but has only played 12 total minutes this year. So uh, also it seems like Kyle Scott is out. He's the American midfielder that was a Chelsea Academy prospect. Uh, he's barely playing for us. And it seems like he's wanted by Swansea and FC Cincinnati. Um, any comments, thoughts, concerns on any of that? FC Cincinnati, a model organization to to go to. I mean, if he goes there, he's just going to be used to. I, I can, actually, I can't even make cheap FC Cincinnati jokes because they just made a bomb MLS signing and bought like a Brazilian stud. So I can't even make those jokes. So yeah, best of luck to you. Yeah, good luck, Kyle. <laughs> All right, uh, do we have any other news that we want to talk about, or is that uh, it? Uh, happy birthday, Ryan Fraser. As well oh yeah, as he's older. I don't even know how old he is. He is twenty nine, maybe. Is that twenty nine, twenty eight, something like that? Yeah, sure. I'll go with that. Oh yeah, happy mer- birthday to Jacob Murphy, too. What, today on yeah. the twenty fourth of February. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Born in nineteen ninety five. Oh, both of them were born in nineteen ninety five. I'm looking it up now. Oh wow! So Ryan Fraser's younger than I thought. Wow. Yeah. Wait, Ryan Fraser's only two years older than me? That can't be right. It says he was born in 1995 in Aberdeen, Scotland. Wow. He's, so he's only like 25, 26? Wait, hold on. That, that can't be right. That, there's no way. Oh, he's 27. Oh, this is wrong. He's born in 94. He's okay, okay. All right. But still, that, I hey, that 30. Yeah, no, I thought, I mean, yeah, wow. I can understand why he's upset, like that he's not playing. He's literally in his prime. Like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. Shout out to Big O Rye Dog, as we call him. 
Yeah, yeah. And what about J Dog? J Smurf. <laughs> no, we actually call, yeah, J, we call J J Smurf actually. <laughs> J Smurf. Okay, uh, we're gonna take another break then, and let's talk about wolves. How's that sound? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Newcastle videos and podcasts, download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Wolves. Wolves. (laughs) We're back. Um, Let's talk about Wolves. So where we're at at the table, I'm actually pulling it up now. So quick filler buster. Bam, we're there. Uh, Newcastle sitting in 18th or 17th, as we know. Wolves in 12th. There is a eight-point gap between the two. Wolves pretty much kind of like picked up a little bit of form here. Um, yeah. So in their last five, they have three wins and a draw. So they're, they're looking a little bit better. Um, but minus six goal difference on the year, nine wins, six losses, 10 draws. Um, so... Interesting to see how, how we're going to do with this. But the first thing of note is just talking about who's going to line up for Newcastle. First thing we know is Fabian Cher, Callum Wilson, Javier Mejia are out. And then there's interesting about Federico Fernandez, Paul Dummett, Jolinton, all seem doubtful slash maybes. Fernandez, um, Fernandez is a big maybe. Yeah. Jolinton's a doubtful. Dummett's probably also a maybe. Okay. Yeah. And then Martin Dubravka, maybe. Uh, on For Wolves, uh, Boley, Imanez, and Pottens are out, and Marcel is doubtful. Um, but, Elijah, what do we think? What do you think we're going to do, lineup-wise? Uh, there's some uh, reports that came out um, pretty swiftly. after. Like I'm pretty sure they came out Monday um, after the Sunday match that Dubravka is probably going to have his opportunity to start and again, uh, I'm going to say he should start, as I have many times before. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, like like I said, Darlo just, you know, it was it always felt like it was going to get to a point where um, he he gets to a game where it's like you can't start him the next game because he's made uh, or next match because he's made so many mistakes. And this one, and that unfortunately for him, that was that last match where a lot of the things you could kind of overlook the bad kicking or maybe some of the questionable uh, kind of his ability to impose himself on the back line and be a vocal leader. Like you could overlook that because he was making tremendous saves and, you know, you couldn't fault him for a lot of the goals because like, you know, yeah, sure. We lost two nothing to Chelsea, but like uh, those goals were pretty hard to save anyway, or, you know, maybe we lose, you know, you know, I don't know. 4-1 4-1 to some team, but it's like, yeah, like they were just way better than us. Now it's kind of, I mean, that Manchester United game was was a, a match that Newcastle could have picked the result from, and two two of those three goals were him getting beat from near post. So it's just not a good look. Uh, so I think Dubrovka does start. Um, I don't know if Fernandez is ready, but I think given just the importance of the next three matches, I think he'll play. Um, he's, he's a type to already, he's already done this before. He's played injured at times. He's come back from injuries a little quicker than expected. Uh, so I could see him playing as well. So I think the back line, I don't think Dummett plays, even though people want to play, I think it's going to be Lewis, uh, LaSalle's Fernandez and Kraft. I think Lewis probably has a better game, uh, this or that better match just with, 
I don't know, maybe the extra security blanket. I don't know, maybe better communication from the back. Uh, you Maybe you hope he just has a better match. And then I think everything else is probably going to be the same. Uh, Joel Linton doesn't start. Maybe Gale starts in his place. Um, I, I would like for Newcastle if they go for – like if Gale plays to go 4-2-3-1 instead because that formation suits Gale a lot better um, and allows for positional freedom and allows you to play – uh, Isaac Hayden, not sorry. Well, obviously Isaac Hayden, but uh, Miguel Amaron, Ryan Fraser, and Alan St. Maxman together in positions that they are naturally good at. You can play Ryan Fraser on the left. You can play ASM on the right. You can play Miggy in the middle, or just allow them to have some sort of free roll, free roaming front three, uh, sort of well, attacking three sort of situation with Gale running in behind. But again, that simple idea is too advanced for Steve Bruce. Uh, so you know, maybe our our boy uh, Graham Jones could. Uh, is that that's his name, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe he could come in with some some wisdom since Bournemouth played a four two three one uh, last year. So, um, yeah, that I think that's that's what I would go with for Newcastle. Um, and and if not that formation, uh, gosh, Shelby shouldn't be playing, but he will be. He actually wasn't bad this past match. He just like, I think the frustrating thing about him is that like he he should press, but he just doesn't. So that that's annoying. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's all I have to say about. Well, Jones. he also yeah, probably just, can't last a whole match if he does that. That's true. But yeah. Um, so if they go four, two, three, one, it would be Shelby and Hayden, even though I think it should be Willick and Hayden, but I digress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, how do we score more goals than Wolves? Based on recent match history i don't think that we will score more goals than wolves um, <laughs> yeah i mean if we did what would we need to do though <laughs> i mean well, i'm I, just saying like yeah. I, I mean i'll get into this with my preview more my sorry my my prediction but like we've it's been last last like four matches been one one draws so <laughs> uh but i mean I, it, it's it's that it's i wouldn't say wolves are are like we're wolves this bogey team but they really have not they've been not like insanely good against us. Uh, they've had a decent run of form again, though, you look at who they played. Um, it's all mid table teams. So it's like, you know, I'm not saying you expect them to pick up results, but then picking up results isn't surprising winning one nil to leads like that feels fine for wolves, even though that this season, like they've, they've essentially lost some of their best players. They still have a good team. Um, they beat Arsenal two one again. Arsenal is, and these are out of order, by the way. But again, Arsenal is like not great. Uh, drew 0 0 to Leicester. That's actually a solid result. Uh, lost to Southampton, then beat Southampton. Um, and then they close out with Leeds. So it's like, you know, they're, they're in matches that they're supposed to be. Um, and in Newcastle's case, like if they're having those results against Southampton uh, and Newcastle were able to play Southampton and essentially should have won that match 4 1, I think Newcastle j- could just roll out the same formation they did. And just kind of hope and pray that the Wolves' goal threat is is as uh, lackluster as it has been this season. Like, and you don't have to worry about they used to have you know guys like Jota. Well, I guess I don't know. I guess Jota's probably still playing, but they had well, no, Jota's on Liverpool. Wow, Whew, look at me. Uh, but they they had just much more like they had better goal threats. In, in the past and Newcastle were able to manage and this past time we played them, they were able to manage. So 
I don't know. This feels like one one draw. It feels like a good game to get us back on track and and hopefully pick up some results. Maybe Newcastle pick it, you know, end up with a two one win. But I do think if you lose this one, you're you're probably seeing Steve Bruce gone. Because this this is a game that's on paper, everyone's looking at as as something you have to pick up a result from, just as a reference of like, oh, this is how good or bad we are. Yeah, Fulham plays Crystal Palace and going to 538. Uh, Fulham has a 39% chance to win compared to Crystal Palace 32 and a 29% to, to draw. So, so 538 is predicting that West Ham, well, sorry, Fulham will get three points. Uh, but they are also predicting that Newcastle will, but way closer margins. 538 says Newcastle will have a 36% chance to win to Wolves 34% and a 30% draw. So it's literally like a third chance for each pretty much. Um, so it could go anyway here. Um, I am going with you here that we're going to see a one, one draw. Um, that's, I, I think, I think that's the best that Newcastle can get. I really hope it's not. I hope like we just take it to them, <laughs> but uh we need to, we need to, we're, we're in a really dangerous spot now. Uh, we need a result from this. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's scary. You, you, you kind of want to just go back to the Southampton match because it was yeah. just like, it was really, that was the match where it was like, damn, like we're staying up. Like this could have been, that could have been four one. Yeah. Of course we can't have nice things and it was still three points, but like, we just can't have nice things. Um, you go back to that being like, okay, I don't know. It's, it's a dangerous game to play. And it's, it's, I think Chris Woff said it best where we've seen, we're seeing glimpses of how good Newcastle could be, but, but like, we all know the danger of just putting your faith in glimpses of how good the team could be. Uh, That's essentially what happened in 2015 where there were, there were times where Newcastle looked good, but they couldn't get the result. And see Bruce, he messed up when he himself made this quote. It's a results-based league. So, like, if he picks up results, he, I mean, he's fine. But, like, it's a, it's a perfect situation where he's preached about how good Newcastle have looked the past four or five matches, but they have, you know, six points to show for it in, in the past four or five matches. So you have to start picking up results, uh, even if you're playing well. And so part of me is, like, I expect Newcastle to come out and play well, but – you know, you have to pick up a result. You got to get at least a draw. You have to get a draw at a minimum. And I think that, uh, it, the, again, it's going to fall on the shoulders of Joe Willock, Alan St. Maxman, and uh, Miguel Amaron to really pull any sort of result. I, I legitimately cannot imagine anyone else. I mean, maybe John Joe Shelby with some random free kick, but there's no, uh, there's no chance anyone else scores. Yeah. Oh, maybe Dwight Gale. If he if if they utilize him correctly, maybe Dwight Gale. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not though. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's all for me. You got anything? No. Oh, hey, Andy Carroll appearance. That'd be that'd be something. That would uh, that would get the press's appearance. You know, it's kind of crazy. Andy Carroll. I think will probably finish this season with one goal, but it will act. It will legitimately win goal of the season for Newcastle. Like in the Premier League. Because he already has one. Yes. Yeah. That yeah that's be- what, like that That one goal was like well, – On the last day against Fulham for promotion. No, I'm, no, I'm just like he already scored, remember? Andy oh, you're, oh I, I thought you were saying I, like he'll get another one or something. Oh, no, no, okay. no. I'm just like I was thinking about it when Alan Maxman scored and I was like that's such a good goal. And I was like 
yeah, that low key is like a goal of the season contender. And then, like, you think about it, and it's like Andy Carroll, it's Alton Maxwell. I, mean, I think maybe Mickey is it was this the season Mickey had the the weak foot goal that was like a curler? That was a pretty good goal, too. Yeah. Um, but like that, that Andy Carroll goal is legitimately the best goal of the season so far. I mean, it was meaningless and worth nothing, but it was still just such a good goal that I think that that will be the only goal he scores, but he will also win goal of the season. Yeah. That is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Not a hot take at all. Not, not. I mean, we we never have hot takes. They're always lukewarm at CHN Radio. Well, so that's good. also also well, want to point out that Wolves only beat Leeds because of an own goal. So take that as you may. I don't I don't know what to say about that. I just noticed hey, that. I'd take some own goal wins. Oh geez. Uh, okay. Well, that's going to conclude this lovely episode 166 of CHN Radio. I'm your host Greg Troxel. That's the best damn coast or co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. And we'll uh, we'll see you next week, but let's get three points, everybody. And we'll see you soon in Hawaii the Lats. Oh, love you guys. Cool up there in summer. It's like sitting inside a fridge. But I wish I was on the case side. Looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the club again I'll pray the dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Jody And to live in Jody land some people think we're 40 and we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity and we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away Kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home. And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Phoenix door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names. Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park in the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. Walk the streets all day, I'll wait for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing hitty how I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll wait for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again. Brave the dog is in James's pocket, the Gallagher's end in the rear.